Hey y'all, this is the Healthy Hot Girl Podcast and I'm your host, Cynthia Pena. I am a consultant and a coach and I'm super passionate about body, mind, and soul wellness and being the best version of yourself inside and out. Everyone is welcome here and I hope this podcast reminds you to come home to your true self and to stand in your authentic power. I hope this podcast encourages you to love yourself more and heal yourself and pursue your passions and create a life that you truly love. This podcast is about health, healing, and happiness and all of the different things that that encompasses. Hello, everyone. I am here today with Jeff Lester, who is a sacred spaces facilitator, yoga training facilitator, and coach. And he is currently living a nomadic life in Portugal. Hi, Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. And nice to connect with you, beautiful human being who's watching this, listening to this. I'm excited. Let's do this. Yeah. So um, before we kind of jump in, I just want to give you an opportunity um, to share a little bit about who you are. So I know you do a lot of different things. um, And one of them is you're the founder of Hefe Living Collective. Um, You also facilitate like um, yoga, meditation, breath work, spiritual and personal transformation, all of the things. So why don't you kind of tell us who you are a little bit? I I love this because it's an always evolving answer. It's always coming from the present moment. And what just came is that I am a fine purveyor of the tools that transform consciousness, that support us connecting more deeply with ourselves. So that starts with my journey and the tools and practices that have helped me evolve and get connected with my life and to really experience the richness and beauty that life can present us, that is what I love to share with other human beings so that we can all really connect with the sacredness of life, the beauty of life, and then we can share that and we can come together. And well, the bigger vision is that the more people who who drink that particular Kool-Aid, yeah. <laughs> the more we can we can live in a beautiful, harmonious world. We were connected with ourselves, with each other, with the earth. So that's really what I'm up to. And 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 it takes many different shapes and forms. I know that I love to be in this space with others, leading some kind of experience, creating, co-creating an experience that takes us deep and into the places that healing happens and to the places where transformation happens. So a lot of that uh, usually happens in yoga teacher trainings or in the sacred spaces facilitator training that I shared with you or other events, cacao ceremonies, other kinds of things that I do. And that's where I show up. That's where you'll find me, if not online in the Hefe Living Collective, working towards creating that kind of environment online as well. Yes, I love that. Um, so I, as I was kind of doing my research a little bit about you, and um, I guess I'll share with you, I guess, kind of what I know, but you are from Atlanta, and you used to be in engineering, and now you are living abroad, you are doing all of the things, and I guess, yeah, tell us a little bit about maybe that transition and your background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, 
one of the big pieces to my story and, and transformation was when I was young, all the way until I was 20, I was incredibly overweight. I got, I'm sure I got close to 300 pounds, although I never saw that on a scale. When I officially started really getting serious about my weight loss journey, it was around 280. I I am a, a graduate of the Georgia Institute of Technology, what we refer to ourselves as a Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech. And that was a short-lived journey for me because I realized as I started cracking into deeper aspects of myself that that path, the path of being an engineer, really was not for me, especially the way that I was experiencing it. Now, I could say easily that I've gone into another kind of engineering, a lifestyle engineering, an engineering of creating life by my design with my intentions and co-creating is is the is the appropriate word. Yes, I love so, that. Yeah, I mean, I um, I had I definitely grew up with lot like significant challenges as, as a child, but I did I did have a lot of bright spots in my childhood and a lot of things that I've had gotten to <laughs> unravel as. I have gone on my spiritual journey, my transformational journey. And one of those things was really living my life, like recognizing how much I was living in other people's image and what I thought they wanted to see from me. And so I would mold my life in, in that way. And I'm very fortunate to have had the, 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 the burning desire to be curious and open and willing that's that's a huge thing for me and and when i work with anybody is like what's the willingness like could we tap into the willingness to see things differently try things differently experience life differently in service to what's more in alignment so that's been a huge through line for me and and i can articulate that well now after 10 years of really being curious about okay how can i live my best life what does that look like how can I get more aligned? Because there was a lot of time where e even in my engineering career in academia, I knew that something was missing. I really felt like there's this possibility of being happy. And I kept looking outside of myself for it, looking outside of myself for it, as we do. And, and we are absolutely conditioned to do that. And it's, a, you know, that's a, a virus of the mind that we do try to look outside ourselves to satisfy a lot of the fundamental needs that we can if we just give ourselves the presence of being in the moment. Wow. <laughs> just to jump to that piece, the presence of being in the moment. When I decided to quit engineering, it was quite a significant shift for me. I had been, uh, I was doing a master's degree in France. And the reason I started this master's degree was because well, I was really good academically, so I could I could do that. And I had this story that I was playing that, well, if I do this particular degree, then I'll be able to take this knowledge and be able to make like athletic apparel or athletic wear. Because at this point, I'd already lost weight. And if you want to talk more about that, I'm super happy to talk, talk about that. But at this point, I'd lost the weight and I was really discovering myself as a leader of like physical fitness, a personal trainer, a fitness trainer, and things like that. So before I left the States to go to France, I had started teaching group fitness classes, and I really, really loved it. And while I was pursuing this master's degree in France, 
I really, really was miserable with my decision about that. And what I decided to do, because there was no group fitness culture culture whatsoever there, is I started a group fitness club and I invited my peers and my friends and we started doing three times a week boot camps. I found a friend who is a yoga teacher. She's taught yoga. I led group runs. So I was doing all the things I loved. And one day I'm walking back from campus to my dorm and I had just bombed an exam. I, I don't know what it was, or I was completely in my head and in disarray about where I was with my academic career because I completely let it go. It was to the point where I was hitting my head against a wall and it, it just didn't feel like there was anything for me there. And then I looked up over to the soccer field where we did the boot camps and it would just happen to be in the right place in my walk where I was in this very negative headspace. And I look up and over and then I get really excited about what I've created there. And I felt really wholesome about it. And that transition from being really negative to really positive, it ripped me in two. And I was like, oh, this is what I love. This is what I don't love. Why not give myself permission to do this? Because until that moment, I wasn't giving myself the permission to really do what I loved. I was still hanging on to this. I would say it was a sense of pride and it was also very egoic, like I've got to stick to my guns of what I've chosen. And it was the slow realization that I didn't really choose this for myself. I was choosing it based on what others would think of me. And then when I started to honor what I loved, that's when everything started changing. So in that particular moment, it's like a pin in my in my timeline that I was like, okay, this is what I have to do, what I have to follow. And I decided I was done with the engineering. And I and I started immediately, my mind started going to work about what's next and how can I get more of this in my life. And it was a, a time of great inspiration, of great possibility for me. And I had uh, recently been able to visit London. I visited a friend in the UK, in London, England. And London is this beautiful energy with so much vibrant energy and you can throw a rock and you can hit a fitness studio anywhere in London. Like, so it's basically a fitness instructor's dream <laughs> to yeah. go there. And I decided there, I was like, well, I'm going to figure out how, if I can go to London and just start a career as a fitness instructor. And, and that was me honoring what was true and what was authentic to me for the very first, I'd say in at least my career path for the very first time. And I had to like let go. It was a big letting go of the idea of being an engineer, the idea of six figures, the idea of significance in society, the idea of ha having some kind of intellectual superiority of, over other people. Like all of that had to start to peel away and, and die off of me. So I go to, um, it, it's interesting because when I made that decision and I find this is a very special, unique point in people's lives when they really can click into the decision, the choice, the demand. They let the universe, we let God work in our favor. We let a higher power support us. And that's exactly what happened for me is all kinds of doors open very quickly. And I had exactly what I needed in my transition and applying to a new uh, student visa to live in London. And within three days, I'll tell you, within three days of getting to the UK, getting into London, uh, I walked into a yoga studio and I said yes to their 30-day introductory offer. 
And the reason I got into yoga was because, well, I had my friend teaching yoga when we were doing the group fitness stuff. And I had also been into yoga as really interested in, in the physical aspects of it. And it was just the right time in my timeline to say yes to that. And I started going every single day for 30 days. And it was very transformational in the studio and the ethos and the community and the the intentions that were vibing there, that the people there really lit me up and I got really excited about it. So my my next phase really started there because I started doing the yoga teacher training. I started working at the yoga studio. So I started getting really involved in the community. And of course, I've said this hundreds of times. I mean, yoga is a transformational science. There's a reason the science of yoga exists and we're still practicing it in one way or another because it works on us and it works on the the body-mind connection and connection to spirit. And I got the benefits. I got the benefits. I started transforming. I started seeing new dimensions and aspects of my life. And I really got connected with what it meant to be present. And it was it was specifically when I started meditating daily, consistently, that I was like, oh, this is what presence is. This this is it. Because I became aware of how busy my mind was. And I could be walking on a sidewalk and realize and see the trees or the houses for the very first time. And I would be like, oh, where was I that whole time I was walking? And then now here I am present really with the experience. And so very similar to how that moment transpired where I was in such a negative headspace to such a uplifted headspace, I started getting these micro doses of busy mind, distracted, disconnected to present. And and when we step into presence or mindfulness or an experience like that, it's expansive. It's instantly expansive. It's it's the weight lifts off. No matter how light that weight is, I can feel it lift off. I might not even be thinking about something critical or serious, but when I get into the present moment and connect with my breath and, and what's around me, it's something lifts and I feel expanded. No longer just contracted, expanded. So... After starting to discover that, starting to crack into deeper, I would say deeper layers of consciousness, elevating my vibration to use a few of the jargon that we use in the spiritual world or in the in this in this self-development world, I was sold. I was like, wow, give me more of this, please. And I could see no ceiling to this experience. And just like I had loved being a group, a group fitness instructor, I really loved being a yoga instructor. And very, very quickly, I was like, I want to teach yoga and I want to teach workshops. I want to I want to be a part of a bigger experience, holding space. And I discovered that, well, after I left the UK because my visa expired, I discovered that I had this desire to really hold space in workshops and and I was invited, I was very lucky to be invited by a good friend who was building a yoga school. Mm-hmm. And this is how we're connected, um, believe it or not, um, the Happy Jack Yoga community through Ruby. And then, yeah. So Jack invited me to be a part of the team to put it together. And I got to co-facilitate yoga teacher trainings, maybe a year out of my yoga teacher training, but I was so thirsty for knowledge and really embodiment 
that it made so much sense for me to step into that role. And of course it was scary at first. And I really discovered that I'm very much a leader and I'm very much interested in holding space and, and creating an experience for others to feel the possibility of transformation, to tap into the possibility of transformation that I feel so connected with as a part of the human experience. If you'd asked me what healing was in my early 20s, I would have said, well, you get a bruise and it goes away and that's healing. That's the healing process. You get you get you get a cold and you get better and you're healed. And it was when I started my yoga teacher training journey that I was like, wow, I've got some baggage and I'm just realizing it. I've got some emotional trauma. I've got some energy stored in my body. I'm becoming more aware of my habits and I'm becoming more aware of the dysfunctional behaviors that are showing up for me. And, and a lot of it was around eating and food, huge. That was the first real sign that I got that I'm becoming aware of my dysfunctional relationship with food because after I lost the weight, another significant thing happened in my life. My mother passed away and my mother passing away really did start the shift that I needed to be able to let go of engineering because it was my maternal grandfather. So her, her father that was an engineer from the same school. So I got a lot of that through that line. And her side of the family, there was a lot of mental health. Like I just, there were suicides, there was drug abuse. There's just so much mental, mental health and, and issues, dysfunction. And my way of absorbing that was obviously I was 300 pounds and food was my way of numbing out. And it showed itself again to me when I was getting growing in awareness and presence to my behaviors and my patterns and, and recognizing the unconscious behavior that was manifesting and really specifically around the food, the binge eating. And then now it, it revolved around fitness and body image. So I leaned into that as a new opportunity to, to say, okay, yoga, what have you got for me? This practice. And when, and by the way, it's important for me, I've said yoga 50 times already. When I say yoga, I mean the transformational science of yoga mm -hmm. more than what you might anticipate or might, might imagine what we're doing in a 60 minute yoga class with, um, physical postures. Right. Yeah. Yoga is so much more than that. So I totally got into that for my mental health, for my healing journey. And, and, I, and my lens on the world started to change. And I recognized and started to wake up to the, the healer that I am and that I can be. And that's really been my journey over the last five or six years is stepping into myself, my, my path as a healer. And, you know, when I say coach, healing is a part of that, like, working with a, a group or a person around what's the, where can we gain awareness and what are the tools and practices that can facilitate that? How can I support you in, in bringing that into your life? And then what new stories get to appear when we start changing the lens and the point of view on life? So long story short, that's, that's just about got me here. And Everything else is a is an out outshoot of that bigger journey. That that's the tree trunk, and then we've got some branches too. Yes, I love it all. I feel like you uh, 
said a lot of juicy things. Um, I think one of the big ones, and I think maybe some listeners can relate to this, but it's like, I feel like we spend a lot of our time, you know, chasing these attainable goals or like this job, this house, this car, this, if I do this, I can have this. And we're just always chasing, 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 thinking that it's going to bring us some happiness. And then we all of a sudden end up in this life that we've co-created and we feel like it's not even something that we like or love to wake up to every day. And like, I guess I love that you talked about how it, once we shift and we have that transformation to focusing on like being present and allowing ourselves to be open to our passions, then we can kind of start creating a new path for ourselves. If we're willing to give up, I guess what we've always known and what we've always done and this illusion of a, of a life that mm. we give us happiness. Yeah. I love to, I like to think about it in terms of timelines. Like when I made that decision to leave engineering, that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And that was, that was a choice. And that choice opened up a completely different timeline for me. And that choice facilitated, it started moving me towards a more conscious path and a more also introspective path right around that time. I had been reading a lot of self-development books, a lot of books about behaviors and psychology, habits. I was interested in creating change. I wasn't happy. And I was really unhappy in, in with the engineering and feeling like, you know, this is, this is one, it's really hard. And two, I've got no desire to live up to that difficulty. I mean, it's completely different when there's the, when the, when the authentic desire is there to live up to something. And what happens, I love your reflection is, is when somebody goes through life and I, I'm going to use the word unconsciously, meaning they have yet to evaluate and give space and time and presence and attention to their authentic motivations, desires, because so much of that is conditioned in from society, from our parents. And that was my case from media, from our exposure to the world around us. And we develop this, this program of comparing ourselves to the world. And I mean, there's so many different modalities and ways of um, articulating exactly what I'm saying. So I, I wanna say it in a way that's like really approachable is that we, 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 we get this way of looking at the world where we're comparing ourselves to the world and we see it as this kind of hierarchy where I am always relative to those around me versus and, and creating my life from that, which is externally motivated, extrinsically motivated versus the looking inward. And that looking inward is, it, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. It's the sit down and meditate or do the, do the practice or journal, like the, there's tools that help us turn the attention back inward. Because if we've gotten really, if we've, I've lived 20, 23 years of my life being so much more outwardly oriented 
And then I started to turn it in. I got really, really good at looking at the world through that lens. And that's one of the things that people need to understand in terms of their transformation is that we get really good at doing the things that's compromising our authenticity. So we're really good at that. And it takes energy and it takes attention. It might be uncomfortable. In fact, it's likely going to be uncomfortable to, to create that shift, to turn inward, to really realize, okay, what's showing up for me, what matters to me. And then in the, the, another process of letting what isn't aligned with that go, because that's not always easy. Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's really difficult to let things go, depending on how attached we are, how identified we are with that. And so the the beauty of of applying the yogic practices to life is that we, and this is firsthand experience too, we, we soften on our identification with the things that we think make us who we are and how we relate to the world based on. So instead of having a sports car as an, you know, instead of me being a six figure engineer and having a sports car in a big house, and I think that that's who I am, I no longer have that identity and I no longer have things or status as a way of measuring myself with the rest of the world. It's more about who am I and what wants to express. And I'm going on a long journey. Can I interject really quick? Yeah, of course. So you said this earlier, it was living my best life. And I feel like nowadays it's like living my best life is like the job, the travel perks, the house, like whatever, like the fancy Instagram reels, but it's really living your best life is doing what you love every day, showing up in your authenticity, um, allowing yourself to be seen, heard, loved, and like healing those parts of you that you really don't want people to see so that you can shine your light and have, you know, your personal voice, like projecting into the world. And that's what really living your best life is. I couldn't have said it better. Exactly. I, yeah. Living my best life it would be the same as saying living my most aligned life yes. or my most authentic life, L- living the life that's true to me, regardless of what anyone else thinks. And that's really hard to do because as, as social animals we have it's one of the oldest programs one of the oldest points of view that we have adopted and deeply ingrained into our psyche that we need to stick to the herd and that that if we do anything different than what society deems as appropriate and and by the way whatever story we create about that and however we distort that too because we'll distort that and blow it out of proportion that that's a that's a social death and sometimes social death is more there's a a bigger fear to that than than a real death one of the beautiful things about yoga practice in a class is every time you go you'll practice and then if you're lucky (laughs) your teacher guides you through a shavasana or you get the time at the end to just be there. And, and Shavasana is an opportunity to die. It's an opportunity to destroy and uncreate the identification we had with life so that we can be more free when we get out of that. We can be more free. We can get to a, a different state of experience around freedom. 
And one of the things I wanted to say, which is very interesting to me now, is that when we are when I'm living authentically, it doesn't mean that I no longer have things that I want to chase and work towards. However, what does change is that those things are going to bring out of me the next evolution of me. I love that. Yes. Yeah. And that, and for me, that's, that's what living consciously boils down to. It's, it's living consciously can look so different for so many people and it, and it really is. And it's based on, you know, it's what we're here to experience. And if creating a business or finding my voice or you know exploring the world whatever it is if it's something that i feel called to do usually that's going to pull that's going to get me out of one out of my comfort zone and it's a higher calling it's a hero's journey then and it's like we have to go on that journey when we do that and that's living consciously is being mindful of what is the hero's journey that is that's here as opposed to um, going after the things because we think we have to have them. And that the difference between the two, because you're both, we're going after things. And I think life is, a, is, and to some, unless you want to be a monk, life is about going after things. And, and I'm saying that from my point of view, the, the big like difference <laughs> between the two is that if you go after things based on what other people think, you're going to get there and it's going to be hollow and it's going to be empty and it's going to be like, okay, what's the next thing? But if you go after things that are aligned with you and your soul is like, this is why I'm here to do it. It's going to be fulfilling. Life gets richer. The context for life changes. It's, it's, it becomes the reason I came here to do this. So it's like two incredibly, there's a vast difference in those two experiences, but they're still going after things and it's just the, the the fundamental difference is at the point of creation, is it from is it rooted in something that of awareness and consciousness and really choosing, or is it unconscious and just go? Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Because that that's sense. something that's really interesting to me right now. That makes sense. And I feel like you really articulated that beautifully. So what would you, what would your advice be to someone who is kind of in that maybe chasing things for the wrong reasons like what are because they think that you know it'll bring them some type of external happiness what are maybe two or three things that they could start doing to to start creating a more aligned life or to tap into their deep desires What a great question. And the answer, I, I will say, preface what I'm about to say that the most, in, in my opinion, the most important thing is to is to do the practice or the embodiment piece of whatever it is that you're wishing to change. And that looks like instead what I see a lot and and also informed by my experience is that we like to learn about things and it's like the ego's way of arming itself and preserving itself. So I spent years learning about self-development and tools and mindset and psychology 
and I was still quite unhappy, right? And I was still in that path of pursuing engineering. So what's really special is if you have gotten to a place that there is an awareness that you would like to change, number one, honor that you're at that awareness. Just honor that so much. Be so grateful that it's it, it, it has come to a point where life is uncomfortable, yes. And this discomfort is initiating the change. And it's, while I wouldn't take that from you for an instant, because I know that's that's exactly what's required for your transformation. What I would say is there's also an opportunity to be really grateful that this is this is upon you to give you some kind of solace, right? <laughs> and then the next thing is mindfulness practices and connecting with the body. Another thing that I see and also inform my personal experience is my journey has been one of reconnecting with my body and being able to feel again. What does it even mean to feel things? I spent 20 years of my life numbing out my feelings because they were so intense from childhood and I'm sensitive. I didn't even know I was sensitive because I I had feelings too big to feel and I would eat and I would eat so that I would have something this, to distract me from my feelings. Replace that with drugs, alcohol, sex, Netflix. You know, everyone has, pay attention to these behaviors. And then when you start to have an awareness of, okay, I'm I'm avoiding something here. That's another really beautiful place to be. Because when you have that awareness, the change is inev inevitable. I mean, it's going to happen. Because awareness, like when the light gets in, good luck going back the other direction because the, the transformation is already afoot. And that's a really good thing. Now you can expedite that by like amplifying your awareness with presence. So when it gets uncomfortable in a moment, be there, learn to be in a discomfortable moment. One of the, one of the reasons I think that um, ice baths have become so are you aware like every like you say ice baths ice baths yeah okay. like cold 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 showers this thing yes there's physical benefits to that and it's a very a nicely like the, the amount of time it takes you to get into an ice bath whether you're doing it in an event that somebody has orchestrated or you're doing it for yourself or it's a cold shower it's a way of introducing stress, like controlled stress into your life so that you can learn to be with discomfort. Because one of the big, Ill in my opinion, one of the big illnesses, especially in Western culture, is comfort culture. And it's really degrading, degradate, degradate, destroying <laughs> what life can be because we were, we're placing richness and texture and feeling and connection like all these things that being connected with ourselves and with nature can provide with comforts and disconnection and ease. And in my experience, it's like it's going through some adversity that creates that richness, that really creates something worthwhile. So you asked two or three things and I'm just going on this long ass. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well, we have a culture of like instant gratification. Yeah, instant gratification, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think there's an MLK quote. I can't even think of it, but like, you know, a, a true, I think it's like a true, the true, 
the true character of a man is defined by how he faces adversity, I think. Yeah. Lines. And I think kind of that's what you're, I guess, trying to say around like the ice baths. And I think I've yeah. heard of it. I have like just like the hot and cold or like taking a cold shower, but it'll allow, allow you to, um, I guess, be more aware of your kind of surroundings. And, and also there's an ability to surrender there. You know, it's like, okay, so for me and I teach yin yoga and yin yoga is very similar to, uh, the, again, the ice bath, it's cold as hell. That, that doesn't make sense. It's really cold and it's hard. And every cell in the body is going to be like, no, thank you. Yeah. And you say, I'm going to choose this and I'm going to, and I'm going to choose to experience what that is without the story that cold is bad or something like this. Right. And so I relate that with yin yoga because in yin yoga, we hold the postures. We hold like what can be an, a relatively uncomfortable posture for three or four minutes. And it, what it does is if, when the shift happens, there's a shift that happens in the point of view and the in the experience of it is that when I no longer resist that, it becomes quite pleasurable. And so it's like anybody who's gotten into endurance events, running a marathon or doing something, you know, that's really intense for them. It, there's a realization that, well, hold on, this feels really good. This, there's something to this. And it's the it's the change in the point of view towards doing hard things by introducing some adversity into life um, in a measured way, in a controlled way that can then spill over to creating these changes that we're talking about. Because it can be, especially if there's trauma, whether it's complex PTSD or, you know, trauma is stored in the body and, and can be activated. It's like, that's the hardest time anybody can be with themselves as opposed to going into the default behavior of whether that's lashing out at the person or going, grabbing a bag of potato chips or turning on Netflix, whatever, whatever, whatever the distraction. The bar. Huh? I said, or going to the bar. Or going to the bar, like uh, what whatever that distraction is. And so it's one of the things that you can do is is meditate practice meditate people think meditation is like i've been trying for years to, to make meditation more sexy because it's the coolest thing ever what happens when we can start to go past the 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 five minute eternity i call it when somebody starts practicing meditation five minutes is like oh my god is it over yet i'm so bored my mind is everywhere right to the to the place six months later when we're meditating daily practice, 20 minutes. And it's like, Oh my God, this peace, this experience, I, I can experience myself and I'm okay with it. I'm no longer reeling against the experience of shutting my eyes and being with myself for five minutes. Right. What an incredible transformation. And you best believe that that spills out into, into how we manifest life. It has to. It has to change, like that changes the, the the person. So what I'm getting at is the awareness is beautiful and awareness usually amplifies this the discomfort until the willingness is high enough to create a change. So understand that that's the process and that's okay. That's beautiful that that's, that that's there. It's, it's great. It's like, I would say it's the universe uh, patting you on the back saying, let's, let's do this. And then 
Enter, and then if you want to expedite this, introduce some adversity, like controlled adversity, whether it's a yoga practice, meditation practice, ice baths. There's so breath work. There's so many of them that can enter, like allow us to be with ourselves and also to move energy, like the yoga practices and breathing practices allow to, to move, not just um, experience energy, but to, to move it substantially because it's that energy which is in our unconscious, and I use that at the beginning, that is the impetus for the unconscious behavior that is sabotaging our like what we truly want, right? Yeah. So the more we can move that energy and, and also be present to what's showing up and, and, and also befriend it, because I did another yeah. podcast that was, we talked so much about the insanity of judgment and judgment is another very deep, deep program. It's very similar to the comparison. I mean, it is the comparison. The difference between judgment and discernment. Judgment is unconscious. It comes from our wounds. Discernment comes from wisdom. Discernment comes from seeing things as they are without any stories. And so the the, the piece around judgment is becoming aware. And, and the yoga practice helped me with this. It's like, whoa, I judge so much all the time. And then I once caught myself judging myself for being judgmental. And then I was had an extra awareness that that was going on. And I just started laughing because it was an, it was a like, you know, this is completely insane. Yeah. So all of these things that, that can, that can facilitate that change, do the little things and please, I'll tell you the express way is to do them and not read about them or try to learn more about them is to do them because you'll notice that that immediately makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And that's what you want because you, instead of going into that discomfort, you're like, no, I'll read another book about it. And that'll make me feel good about myself because I understand more. And that's, that's, that is, there is some service to that because it's sinking in. And then when you do go on the journey, you get loads of wisdom because you have read all the books, but you're now you're embodying it and you can experience it from yourself, from like direct experience versus what's in a book. So that's really cool. So do the little things. And, and my invitation is to take it one step at a time and be in a process. But one, one thing I'd love to say is when we're talking about going after things in life, it's not about getting to that thing. It's who you become in the process. I love and that. When yes. And when we're, con me too. And when we're consciously co-creating that experience where we're involved, we're choosing that experience, we are going to bring up every obstacle, every shadow aspect of ourselves that needs to be looked at in order to get to that other place. And that's who we become when we go through that. And that's the, that's the most fulfilling life. And I'd say the riskiest, the riskiest, most, um, you know, what are we here to do? Are we here to sit on a couch and, and, and avoid life? Right. Like that's a huge risk I to go through that, life. Yeah. I say this all the time, or I've been saying a lot on like my Instagram, but like, what do you really want and how can you learn to dance with the darkness so that you can shine your light and understanding the why, why do I do these things? Um, you know, 
like if you're feeling heavy or if you're trying to avoid whatever it is, like the why behind where that came from and understanding your trauma and so that you can love those maybe pieces that feel unlovable, those pieces that are crying out to just, you know, get some warmth and some light on shined on them. And just, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, taking the time to heal. And then I think you're saying this, like integrating, like not just learning, 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 but like integrating and making that a part of your everyday life and having those daily routines and practices so that you can kind of be aware because it's never, we never just get somewhere and we're like, oh, we're here, we've arrived. And I think we kind of convince ourselves that life's really about like hitting this, you know, peak. And it's like, it's a continuous journey and it's an evolution. And, you know, even when we get to one level, like we'll be unlocking new pieces of ourselves that we need to understand and love a little bit more and it'll be ever evolving. Yeah. And, and when, uh, when I approach life like that, it becomes a lot more exciting and a lot more interesting. One of the things, one of the moments that really opened my eyes was I was in a, when I was in the UK, I was doing a course and I was in a sports psychology class. And a woman who was a facilitator for NLP came in and, and did a presentation, neurolinguistic programming. And she started us off with this, like a diagram or, or, it was, it was on, uh, it was written out and it was just saying, you know, we, we know what we know. So it's like, I know English, I know how to talk. I, I know I how to walk. Right. So we know what we know. We know what we don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know Spanish <laughs> or I, I don't know Japanese. I don't know, um, how to fly. I don't know um how to walk on water whatever it is it's like we know what we don't know i don't know how to repair an engine or you know something like that right so we have an awareness of what we know we do know and we have an awareness of what we know we don't know and then the next piece is way more i think there's another one that i'm forgetting but the the piece that really woke me up in a big way was that we don't know what we don't know and that's what's in the unconscious is I don't know what I don't know. And that's this big opportunity for life to express through instead of having to experience life like this rigid thing of, of knowing and, and identification. It's the, the truth of it is, is there's so much that I don't know that I don't know. And instead, and that's, and that's even death is like, we don't know death. And I don't even know what I don't know about death, right? So when I heard that, it really opened my eyes to the infiniteness of life. And that started to ch- even change how I've experienced meditation is, is, is not trying to know the moment, it's to be in the moment and experience that. And that's a much faster way to experience infiniteness and also, you know, universal uh, unity consciousness that we're all connected which one of the coolest things that in my opinion as far as i know that we can experience as a human being so we don't know what we don't know yeah i think 
two, like one thing that I've learned um, recently is like, you know, we are, we are only aware of like a small percent, like, I think it's like less than 1%. Five. Oh yeah. Or something that we, of like what's really available to us because that's what we know and that's what we can see in our physical like 3D reality. But there's so much more out yes. there. There's so much more available to us. Opportunities, abundance, money, all of the things. But we just can't necessarily see it. So we don't believe like those things are available to us or, you know, in our orbit. Yeah, yeah, and we make the story that they're not. Right. And we and we 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 make that story unconsciously and we and and then we act, we act upon that whereas just remaining open is so good. And that's that comes that reminds me of like the timelines. It's like re- recognizing in this moment that there's a choice. And then what is that choice calling in? Like what's downriver from this choice? And 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 then feeling into that, feeling into that, which is the new, like the new possibility when we become sensitive and aware of a body mind connected to what is the energy of this. Because then we can start choosing based on energy instead of having to have the rational mind, which is so limited, like you said, so so limited. The rational mind can only perceive so little of of what is the all. That if we start to connect, if we start to to feel into it at an energy at an energy level, it opens up a whole new way of expressing, whole new way of of experiencing life. Yes, I love that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and it kind of came about like indirectly, but so November's Men's Health Month, and I just in some conversations that I've had with people, I'm wondering what advice you would give to other men out there who are maybe, um, and it sounded like you even had like a similar, like, I feel like our journeys through awakening, they kind of start with this physical aspect of health. Like it's like, yeah. it's like, and even me, like I can relate like with, I had an unhealthy relationship with food, with other things that I was filling with alcohol relationships, like whatever. And, but like, that's like the base of it. That's, I feel like we, we break that open and we're like, oh, I need to maybe start eating healthier. I need to be aware of these habits and where they're coming from. I need to like, um, invest in my physical health and working out. And I love that you had brought up that you were, um, you started as a, like a fitness instructor and then you went to this other level. So I, I, and I think like, you know, maybe not all men, but maybe some of them, like, it's easy to lean into that, like physical aspect of their health but what advice can oh, yeah. you offer somebody who is like okay like I I there's there's something more I'm needing in aspects of like my spiritual health maybe my like financial health my mental health like what are like I guess are some tools that you would encourage them to like look into um I know you also have some tools that you created yeah, that's that's really cool that you that you brought up. For men and and this is huge part of my own experience is 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 waking up to the sensitivity of the emotional experience. That's more right brain, that's more feminine, divine feminine. So we can look at the divine feminine, divine masculine qualities that show up for all of us and they're either in balance 
or out of balance. And in balance, they're creating, they're creative, generative, and allow us to co-create life at our authentic level and whatever that looks like. So out of balance, and when the masculine tends to go out of balance, it's it's too structured or too rigid or too, in a sense, walled off. And what I mean by that is like this, it's perceiving the world at the mental level without connecting with the feeling experience. And so to start to, to, to balance them, one of the practices again is, is a meditation practice or a breathwork practice, which put us into the, we're turning our attention into what, what am I feeling sensationally? And then that starts to build. And this is like these practices, I have to say, commit yourself to starting small and going for the long haul so that you can, you can really develop this because again, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know where it leads to be weary of projecting or having an idea of what it's supposed to do or what it's supposed to lead to, because that you don't know that until you've gone walk the path. That's the biggest mistake. Well, uh, mistake. I don't know if I even like that word, but that's what I used to do is, is I used to close my off by myself off by making assumptions that I knew instead of, and that's a judgment by the way, versus a discernment. And the reality is this is what I know. And this is, I don't know until I walk that path. Right. So men, men start to connect with what you're feeling. And you can do that by slowing down your breath, incredible tool for slowing down your nervous system. Journaling is a really good tool for self-reflection. So you can go into the sensations in your body. You can, you can explore what it is you're feeling. And I've got a, a few really good recommendations. I created an online course and it's a meditation and journaling course. It's called The Art of Listening. And it's about building that bridge so that we can start to perceive what the feelings are and experience what are the feelings, needs, sensations in the body and then articulate that or be able to to put awareness to that experience because that automatically like even that if it seems sideways to how it would manifest in changing a uh, like where masculine has gone out of balance and it's too rigid it's too disconnected like this is the process of, of creating that connection and softening and bringing back the dance of life when the two can co-create with each other and so the the art of listening is a meditation and journaling practice that is um inspired by nonviolent communication which is a really good book and i do recommend reading that book because it is going to shape awareness and then practicing what is in that book about communicating feelings and needs authentically without the judgment or the projection upon others. So one of the things that we do, and again, that's a big program, is that we project. We make others responsible for our experience. So we put ourselves in an experience of being a victim. In a, men, in, a, in a man's case, it's still, it's part of the same energy dynamic, except a man will tend to be like a martyr. Like, I'm going to save you. I'll fix you. I'll save you. I'll be your hero. Like that's well, it depends. I don't know what the I ratio are. Say, but, I feel like I've been that mark. Yeah, we'll, 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 we can go. And that would be like the, I would say the more masculine side of it, but we're, we all having all of them. 
Right. So just start to pay attention when you're making other things outside of you responsible for your experience. And then when you recognize, okay, let me just experience what I'm feeling without the story behind it and articulate that. That goes a really long way to changing so many things outside of us. And one of the key aspects of that, I'll call it like a technology, is that it recognizes that needs and strategies are not the same thing. So you, as a woman, we can we can relate to this often, this common experience that a woman shares what's happening in her life and shares her feelings. And the man comes in and goes, boom, here's what you can do to fix that. Here's the strategy. Here's the thing. And the woman is like, all I wanted to do was be heard, right? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. So it's about connect. So it's saying, what if you trust the present moment enough to get connected with what you're feeling? And then what if the way that we resolve that need or satisfy that need happen spontaneously instead of by having to think about a strategy or think about some way to fix it? Because what if it was never wrong? Or what if it was never broken? What if it just needed to be seen and felt and heard or experienced, right? So I, I feel like for, for men, there, there's a huge um, opportunity in leaning into vulnerability at the emotional level because we're conditioned as men that we don't need, we're we not optimal men if we feel, we're not optimal men if we connect with ourselves emotionally, right? And that's quite the, that's, that's quite the opposite to the case is like, we want to be the balance. We want to create the balance. That's when we're optimum. And it doesn't matter, man, woman, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, we all are going to be optimal when we're, when our energies are in co-creation with the divine and feminine and masculine. So, and we're talking about the stereotype of how men relate to the world. It's that rational and disconnected. And then the opportunity will be to lean into vulnerability, lean into, and then learn what that even means at the experiential level. I can't tell you how many years that vulnerability for me was just a word until I read Brene Brown's work. And I was like, oh, so when I'm uncomfortable and I'm afraid to speak, but I speak anyway, I'm experiencing vulnerability. Oh, that's what that is. Okay, let me lean into that. Let me experience vulnerability more because now I know what that word means for me, right? So that's going to be a huge shift for for men who feel stuck, who feel like they they are not understood or they feel disconnected or they feel like they have to do it all alone. It's like this idea of having to do it all alone is like the, the epitome of not being vulnerable enough to share what's weighing you down with others. Common thing that shows up. Yes, I love that. What book, was that the same book that you were talking about uh, with Renee Brown? Nonviolent Communication is by Marshall Rosenberg. Okay. Shorthand, it's called NVC. You'll find it, if you Google NVC, there's a good chance that you'll find facilitators and workshops it certainly online and maybe in your community. I highly recommend getting into a space with it while it's being uh, practiced 
bring your partner there. If you have a partner or bring your parents there, if you, if you like, that's huge. Um, and very straightforward that, but it's, it's an intense practice because it really, it's changing the program that okay. we're used to. Brene Brown, uh, Daring Greatly is a, is a really good book by Brene. She, a lot of her books are really nice okay. and she's, and she would appeal. I think Brene Brown appeals to the masses, of course, but she's coming from a research point of view on what is vulnerability and, and people who like to think, uh, and people who like to, to, to have it figured out at the intellectual level will love that. And then she brings in the practical, like the practical, this is what you got to do. Okay. Love yes. that. So I also wanted to kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, you have, and I don't know how many countries you're on now, but you have been living, I think I, when I was kind of stalking your Instagram, I saw a post and it said that you had been um, doing cacao ceremonies in 10 different countries and you've been kind of living abroad. Um, well, can you share with us, um, I guess, you know, kind of where you have traveled to, why you are where you are now, and then the, like, what is a cacao ceremony? I am not familiar. <laughs> I've never experienced one and I would love to learn about it. Beautiful questions. <laughs> oh my gosh. You just, you, you have hit gold in what is what I love. Like that's my personality in a nutshell is, is exploring places, uh, sharing, doing what I love, right? Um, countries I've been to. So I studied abroad when I was in college and that completely changed my life. I remember when I was a kid watching Wheel of Fortune. Do you know that? Do you remember that game show? I kind of remember it like briefly, yeah. but yeah. In the wheel and then they'd have to guess, they'd have to light up letters on the, on the TV screens and then guess what this phrase was. And on the wheel, there would be, occasionally they would have like a, um, a reward as a trip to somewhere. Okay. And I remember getting so excited about like when people would get, you know, the trip to Jamaica and it would be, and then they would, they would show it the beaches and everything like that. And I just, from that, I mean, I just travel has always been so exciting to me from a young age. And when I was in college and uh, I kept wondering like, what kind of work can I do that, that takes me different places? And that was definitely a filter through which I, I looked at jobs too. It's in my astrology. I mean, I, if you if you had, um, are interested in astrology, like the Sagittarius archetype. Are you a Sagittarius? I am. Yes. Oh my goodness. So I only know. I think you're my the third Sagittarius that I've met. Um. Anyways, so that's cool. Okay, keep going. <laughs> loves to just loves to explore, and it happens for me to be both at the world stage and the the, the nature anywhere there's nature. So yeah, when I studied abroad, I went to France and I, in this particular, um, satellite campus is really well situated to explore Europe. So I started okay. exploring some other countries, weekend trips, weekend visits, just to, um, see and, and, and really like scratching that itch. And eventually even that got less 
interesting. And I started, you know, I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to be in nature places. So I, I'm less interested now in like cities and the exciting. I've done London, I've done Paris, I've done, you know, I've been to New York. It's like, now take me to where beautiful, stunning nature is. And I'll be very happy and grateful for that. The road's less so, Huh? Like the road's less traveled. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would love to share some of my favorite places I've been. Um, and places I've I've done work and cacao ceremonies or or taught um, yoga trainings. Um, one of my favorite places that coming right to the top of my mind is is New Zealand, and I did I went to New Zealand uh, because a friend of mine was hosting a retreat, and we are now partners in that in the sacred spaces facilitator training. Her name is Kirsty, and so I was I was a participant on her retreat. And the nature in New Zealand, the culture, the the indigenous wisdom. So the other part of me is like, I want to know the philosophy. I want to know the the practices. I want to know the wisdom. I want to be around elders. I want to be around like that. I want to be around the fire, whatever that looks like in a circle. So anyway, New Zealand is popping up in a big way, huge one. I did a facilitated in... Bali, which is Ubud, which is yoga, yoga, everybody, you can throw a rock and hit a yoga teacher in, in Ubud. <laughs> it's one it. of my Bali, favorite phrases. Bali's on my like bucket list. I want to go. I want to spend time there. It's like my dream place. You, it is lush. It is lush. Um, uh, Before, when I left the UK, here's an interesting story. When I left the UK, my initial thought was that I'm going to go to India and Jack, Happy Jack was doing a retreat there. And I was like, I'm going to go to India for two weeks. I'm going to do the retreat. I'm going to head back to the States and I'm going to open up a yoga studio. But that same day that that thought, uh, op- you know, entered my mind, I also got to meet a very talented facilitator of yoga philosophy and Sanskrit, which is the language, the ancient language that yoga is in. And she had a uh, just life-changing impression on me, Lucy Crisfield, a Sanskrit teacher, and she's in the UK. And I I immediately was like, hey, I'm going to go to India after this. My visa is about to expire. Yeah, I'm a little bit bummed out because I love London so much. And well, here we go. I'm going to go to India. How long do you think? Well, no, no. She asked me, oh, that's cool. How long are you going to stay? And because she had such an impression on me, I was like, how long do you think I should stay? And she said, I think you should stay as long as you can. So that, because of the impression she had on me, I was like, all right, I am going to just one-way ticket and get around India. And it was incredible. I did more yoga trainings, stayed at ashrams um, in Rishikesh, the yoga capital of the world where the Beatles went and they studied transcendental meditation. We can thank the Beatles for a lot of the shift in Western consciousness. I really believe that their music, okay, which was their music, which was influenced by their shifts of consciousness got to touch the hearts of millions, if not billions. And that, I mean, we're it's still reverberating like it and and we are on this ever-growing path of of coming to what Eckhart Tolle who is uh do you know Eckhart Tolle the new earth uh the power of now okay 
author. Okay. Recommended reading for you and everyone. Read, please, The New Earth okay. by Eckhart Tolle. You, and that's one of the books that you, that's one of the few books I would say you read it and you don't have to do anything. Just read that book and it's going to change you. Ah, that's a good, and even listen to it even. I like to listen to audiobooks. I do too. Um, yeah, and so Me Mexico, Canada. I spent, I did a retreat over in Gran Canaria. I fell, I fell in love with Gran Canaria, which is a Spanish island. I really love that place. And I'll tell you, so there's, there's a Finland. We used to do a lot of trainings in Finland, which is really cool. And, and as I could, I could just keep going down a list, but I'll tell you the three places I really want to visit still. Um, Japan, I really want to go to Japan, Iceland. I'd love to go to Iceland. Um, Morocco's on that list. I'd love to go to the Middle East. Okay. When it's more peaceful, when it's, when it feels not in the, not like the mega cities, not like Abu Dhabi, right. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in going into the world's tallest building, yeah. but I want nature. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then what is a cacao ceremony? Well, let me just, uh, stand up. <laughs> Give me one second. got cacao here so cacao is chocolate but it's it's not chocolate so so cacao is the plant that chocolate comes from chocolate is like the bastardized processed <laughs> version of what this is and i wish you could smell it but i, I will show it to you i wish i could this smell is, it too it, so it's a block of raw ceremonial grade cacao what is what does ceremonial mean it means it's grown with with intention and it's grown with uh, the understanding that it's going to be used ceremonially. Okay. Now, there's a particular dosage that you can have for a ceremony and that's around 35 to 40 grams depending on your body size, body mass and the way your blood and the way you absorb it and everything. But what cacao does what this is and you drink it by the way you drink it so how a ceremony looks is we we would and how i well anyway how a ceremony with me looks is we get into a circle we open the space with intention i do some ceremonial um alignment of opening the space by calling in the directions calling in everything that can support the healing everything that can support transformation and hold us so from not just the seen but the unseen remember the, the i don't know what i don't know but i bet in some dimensions there's some kind of amazing powerful forces that can support this container so i'm gonna just uh, i'm just gonna call it in and 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 love that it shows up so that's that's the beginning and then we'll drink cacao we'll drink it it'll be you know, I could share some recipes with you, but really just the most basic way you can prepare cacao is, is that dosage within a cup of water with uh, sea, a little bit of sea salt I like, and cayenne pepper is nice to go in there too. But okay. uh, cinnamon is another thing they put in there to sweeten it. It's very bitter because it's not, there's no sugar in it. Okay. Um, but you could put like uh, agave or honey or maybe maple syrup. You know, there's lots of different ways to prepare it. Anyway, when you drink it, and, and my <clears throat> very first experience with cacao was in 2016, 
when I um, did a, a training in shamanism. And so the whole premise of ceremony, the way I'm talking about it is more aligned with like indigenous cultures uh, around South America, like this sitting in circles, there's medicine songs, prayer, um, medicine plants, things like that, which is, you know, it's different than the yogi, more yogic path. And at the same time, I mean, they're, they're very aligned too, just different cultures, right? And with Carlos, I drank the cacao and he's a musician. He played and he offered us some prayers, some guiding meditation. And I got to the place where everything I was in, I was in, I was starting to feel this sense of love, of warmth. And I had this visualization come into my field and it was like visualizing all my friends and visualizing all the things I had going for me and and just really loving it up. And then here's what's fascinating. And it's it's a such a profound experience that led me to to start to lead these all of that it was like as if it were on a wall like they were like paintings or 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 something that was on a wall and they started to fall away so is this in this way i'm like effortlessly letting go to any attachment i have in this life even the things I'm grateful for, and they're falling away. And what is left behind when everything is fallen away is the wall, which could not be destroyed. And it was like eternal love. And it was the, it was like the experience of that. It wasn't being told that that's what it is in a book or by a minister or by any, anything. It was like, that's, I was like, holy shit. I mean, this is, this is what's behind everything. This is what is more. How can I be more an embodiment of love? Yes. How can I love myself more? How can I love others more? Yes. And and it was the experience that this is what still stands when everything is gone. This is behind everything. So I was telling Jack about that experience when we were going to a happy Jack retreat in Finland. And he said, well, do you want to facilitate a cacao ceremony? And I was like, Oh, well, yes, I really do want to, to be honest with you. <laughs> Cause I, of course I get in my head, it's easy to, one of the beautiful things about cacao is it's very accessible. And even the lineage, let's say like the tradition of cacao ceremony is very malleable. Like it doesn't have its uh, strict traditions. It's always been drunk, drank and uh, had as a, as a, as a, an elevating plant medicine. So whatever the ceremony is, this beautiful energy here, cacao is going to facilitate that and bring love and lightness to that experience. And it can, you know, in my experience, especially working with people is it can take us to the parts that we need to forgive. Like I've seen people bawling their eyes out. I've bawled my eyes out when I recognize like, Oh, I need to forgive myself, my parents, my partner, the, you know, the ex, whatever it is, it's like, holy hell, this is holding me down so much. And then it's just effortless forgiveness. It's like packaged forgiveness and effortless we, forgiveness in a bag. Yeah. Yeah. And we used to, you know, I used to think that forgiveness was like, you know, you, 
I'm not done with you till I've forgiven you. And, the, and then you're not released from me until I've forgiven you. And this like bondage. But what I recognize, I'm the only one bearing the weight of that. Holding yourself in a prison. Exactly. You hold that anger. Exactly. So I, I learned that another time. And that's again, like an experience, not just a word, forgiveness. So yeah, if that answers your question, that is the, the cacao ceremony is about connecting with the heart, healing, loving, forgiving, um, connecting with unconditional love. And I've been really grateful and um, fortunate to follow my heart. And it's been one of the best tools because I've held space. I prop for cacao ceremonies. Like I've, I've, let's say facilitated or guided the ceremony. That's what I mean when I say held space more than 50 at this point, over five years, all over the world at different trainings. And it's, it's, been an um i'm really grateful i'm like having a moment here yeah you're just like you and your cacao i love it yeah thank you so oh sorry go ahead Uh, so i was gonna say i'll ask you two more questions and then and then we'll close um so you've mentioned like you know at this point you're not just an instructor but you're a trainer to other people who want to learn to teach yoga and maybe do other things so has all of your training, like, I'm just curious, has all of your training been through Happy Jack or like where, what other training have you picked up along the way? Uh, I, I met Jack at the, at the yoga studio where I initially trained at in London. And I still work for them as a, as a facilitator for their trainings, um, primarily online, but I've, I've been there for a couple of the in-person ones. And I met Jack there. And so I did the the initial, so in yoga training parlance, you would do like a foundational training. So I did my 200 hour foundational training with, with the House of Yoga in London. And I met Jack there because the owners know each other. And then I was so inspired by Jack that I went to go to his retreat in India. Later in India, I did another 200 hours advanced trainings. One was around yoga, a specific kind of, vinyasa a specific kind of um movement style and shamanism and that's where i did got really into shamanism and i didn't even realize that that would be such a huge soul calling for me the dance the cacao the medicines the philosophy and the temescal which is a sweat lodge one thing i'd love to call in is leading temescals in the future because that's a very transformational experience Go ahead. So I've actually been to a sweat lodge in um, South Dakota. I my wow. I went on a a road trip with my mother, and she really wanted to find one to participate in, and we actually did find. Um, I don't. I can't remember. Um, you know, Lakota. I can't remember honestly what group it was, but we definitely, we did, we were able to connect with a local Indian community and they invited us to participate and it was just so, it was just so beautiful. It is. It's a very, uh, it's a beautiful transformational tool. It, it was very intense, um, yes. but it was, it was amazing. And it, it was like their way of, you know, just praying and community. Did you get that experience? Yeah. What'd you say? 
it's all like, well, that sounds like I heard praying community coming together. Was there a sense of rebirthing? Because uh, the one I'm talking about traditionally is like, it's a sweat, it's dark, you're in the womb, you're in the belly of earth, and then you come back out again. So there's an element of rebirth to it. Yeah, um, there was like, well, what they called it that we did four doors. So they exactly. would like open the door and- Each door um, was an element. Yeah. So powerful. anyways, it was so powerful. It was so, it was so cool. Um, love to join another one again, if I get an opportunity, but anyways, keep well, going. Talk, talk to me because I know lots of different places that, you know, I could, I could potentially hook you up with one. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. And so I did, I've probably done 500 hours of training with this other yoga school called the, the yoga people, big, big influences in me with me did 300 hours with happy jack yoga i've just i mean for, for me it became even in my initial one it was like i i want to keep learning like i want to keep exploring and experiencing it and i wouldn't say i've done a formal training in a while um i did some yoga and body work trainings which are fantastic with one of my teachers called jambo he's in the uk but he does them all over body work is it's it's you might have heard of tantric yoga which is yoga concerned with the body and the energy of the body not necessarily sex or always any you know very little to do technically with sex but it's about the energy of the body and the chakra system is 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 comes from tantric from tantra so it's about the energy body and and anyway the body work which is like a massage therapy lots of massage therapy techniques very transformational, especially in the context of yoga and ceremony, which is a, an amazing bringing together different like practices to create a one powerful practice. So I've done that. And um, earlier this year, so I, have, I haven't done trainings other than my coaching certification, which was really cool around language. Um, I did a, um, what's it called? A vision quest. So a Native American vision quest earlier this year which was my, it was like my treat to myself for self-discovery and learning. It's, I'm a strange person. Like most people would avoid that or, or, or something, but I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. I love that. Yes. I love that. Like what did that consist yeah. of? So we, a, a vision quest, the most defined one is the Lakota vision quest, which is four days, four nights, um, in nature with, with no food or no water. So there's just this, like you, you prepare by creating all these little prayer flags. So it's a little piece of cotton colored cotton and the colors represent the directions and, and can represent various prayers. And you put tobacco and tobacco sends the, this is how tobacco is viewed in, in that culture is as uh, a medium or even a plant spirit, um, uh, its own entity, its own being. So you put the tobacco with your prayer and you tie it up and then you tie the next one, 407 of them. Let me tell you, it took me some time preparing my prayers. And so that, that creates maybe, um, 120 feet of string and you go with the chief and he picks you out a spot and you're all alone 
I was all alone. I like, couldn't see anybody else. I was in the middle of nature. And this was in Wales. This chief came from Mexico over to Wales through some connections. And they do a lot of uh, ceremonies, Sundance Festival, not not really festival, but it's like a big ceremony where they do Native American dance and they do some crazy stuff there too. Um, so this chief came over to the UK to, to Wales for that. And luckily the people knew him and there was a community there that wanted to do the vision quest on their land. So I'm so grateful. I actually um, got that connection loosely from the sacred spaces training because one of our students um, was a part of that community. So that was really good, but it's four days, four nights in nature, no food, no water, just a cut, just like a mat to lie on. And in my case, I had a sleeping bag and he let us take a tarp or something to cover us because it was wet and it was pretty damn cold too. So my first night was so tough. It was like, I, I was immediately met with the challenge. And the beauty of these experiences is like, it's the like adversity. I was saying before, the adversity. Yeah. And it's like, what are the, there's a, inevitably a breakthrough if I just stay with it. So it was beautiful. We did a, we did half a sweat lodge before we started and then we finished it with half a sweat lodge. So it was like the four days sandwich between a sweat lodge. It was a continuous open, open container as in the ceremony was going the whole time. And while we were, it was like 17 or 18 people were all scattered around the land. There was a group down maintaining the fire the whole time and they were doing sweat lodges. So they were, they were, they were in this, in, in essence, praying for us to be able to do our work, to get clear on what we needed to get clear on, to get visions, to to work through any demons or whatever, right? And so, yeah, that was the experience. And for me, it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was it was hard, really hard at first. And then I when when I surrendered, it was just wow, really cool. So I got to do that earlier this year. That sounds amazing. But intense. I love that for you. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, it's part of my style, I guess. Yeah. All right. So where can people find you? Thanks for asking. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Hefe. Oh, I didn't even tell you the, the story behind Hefe. Oh, yeah. Hefe un underscore AF is, so it's like Jeff as fuck. I hope that's okay on your podcast that's all good. That's... i love colorful language good me too <laughs> i can't help it um my name is jeff right so i had a couple of friends in college one one good friend was from cuba and he started calling me jefe and so the rest of the friend group started calling me jefe and i didn't know it was spanish i mean it's a spanish word but i just thought I'm it was jeff say with you know pronounced in spanish it was, it was that I, and that's what it was so i go over to europe and i told you i was studying in france and i, I made another really good friend there and she started calling me jefe and other people started calling me jefe and i was like okay it, it, yeah and i was like all right cool jefe is my nickname and then i find out like a year later that it means uh boss or i like to to i like the definition of leader or chief in Spanish, that's what it means, leader or chief or boss. And jefe living is was the 
my point of view of we have to take responsibility for our healing journey. So as much as I love to be a facilitator, I recognize that my place in this is really holding space, um, inviting the, the possibility and sharing the tools. And it's like, it's up to you and your willingness to choose to transform to, you know, to go into that right experience. And so that's taking responsibility for life. And then that of course spills over into every aspect. So that's a big part part of it for me and and the leadership part of it too because I love leading at like facilitating yoga teacher training what I'm doing is I'm embodying a leader for other people to to be a leader in their space because a lot of what yoga teacher training is is so much about yeah teaching the practices so that we can embody the practices of yoga deepen our experience integrate the yogic practices and also how to show up as a leader or, or as a teacher and present yourself as a yoga teacher, how to stand in front of other people. So I love that. And anyway, Hefe Living is my brand. Hefe Living Collective is my online community. And I put a lot of my courses, I've recorded lots of different courses in meditation, some yoga, a lot of transformational work, which I know transformation is ambiguous, but it takes you into places that gets you questioning. And seeing things differently. And then when you see something differently, that's transformation in a, in a really easy way. That's the collective FAAF on Instagram. That's just me. And, and, and I'll be sharing what I'm up to in that. And my website is, is hefeliving.com. And you can connect with me in all those different ways. And please do, I would love you to connect with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of your juicy experiences and tools. Thank you so much for great questions and listening. I'm so happy that you shared this and that you're sharing this with community. And I have the highest um, prayer and wishes for those of you who are listening to follow your heart, trust the process, get started, keep going, honor the journey share your gold, share your experience with others so that we can really bring in this new consciousness, this new way of being human on mother earth, that we are in harmony, we are connected, we are loving, we love ourselves and we love each other. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. I'm so appreciative to Jeff for coming on the show. Thank you, Hefe. A couple of things I want to share before I jump into the recap. First of all, Jeff is doing really cool shit all over the world. Please connect with him. Check out his website, Hefe Living Collective, and explore some of the tools he's created. He's spent so much time and put so much intention into them. Secondly, November is Men's Mental Health Month, and I just want you men to know that I am rooting for you. I believe you deserve all the healing, good health, and an abundance of love and happiness. I encourage you to take care of yourself and explore your emotional needs and get in touch with your vulnerability. Thirdly, Jeff was the first male guest on the show. I'm so grateful to him for sharing his light with us and giving us a new perspective. All right, let's jump into some takeaways from this banging episode. Number one, sometimes we end up living our life as the image we think others want to see from us. Number two, instead of asking yourself the token question of how you can live your best life, ask yourself how you can live your most aligned life. Number three, to find alignment, we must be willing to let the need for superiority die. Number four, yoga is a transformational science. There's a reason why we're still practicing today. 
Number five, Shavasana is the final resting pose in yoga, but it is also an opportunity to die so that you can be reborn again, released, and experience freedom. Number six, living consciously and authentically doesn't mean you stop chasing things or you don't have goals. It just means those things will actually bring out the next evolution of you. Number seven, discomfort initiates the change and it's exactly what's required for your transformation. Number eight, it's essential to implement mindfulness practices to connect with your body and feel instead of numbing. Number nine, Comfort culture disconnects us from the natural connection we have with ourselves. Number 10, meditation is sexy. The awareness is beautiful. Awareness amplifies discomfort until the willingness is high enough to create a change. Understand that's the process and embrace it. Number 11, introduce controlled adversity into your life. It's not about getting to that thing. It's about who you become in the process. Number 12, make choices from an energetic standpoint because the logical mind is limited. Number 13, when creating a change in your life, start small so that you can go for the long haul. Start to connect with what you're feeling, connect with your breath, and use journaling as a tool for self-reflection. Number 14, pay attention to when you're making things outside of you responsible for your experience and turn your focus inward. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I would love to know what you thought of this episode. Don't forget to share it with a friend that you think also could use this message. And feel free to connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. My Instagram is underscore sinpenia, so C-Y-N-P-E-N-A. And if you're interested in working with me more, feel free to shoot me an email at hello at thehealthyhotgirl.com. Sending you lots of love and light, and I hope that you remain fearless in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire.